Oh, good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? You awake? Let me know with a big, oh yeah. And if you're not awake, give me a big, go ahead. Okay, I got a couple, I got a couple. That's good. Well, it's good to see you this morning. I'm Josh. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, please stick around afterward just long enough so I can say hi to you. I'll give you an air high five or a, you know, shoe bump or something, but it's just good to be together today. And for everyone joining us online, welcome, welcome, welcome. I know we're already in 2021. Many of you, by God's grace, some of you are getting vaccinated and uh, and you're kind of coming out of some of this, we hope. But I want to just ask you all, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to kind of make a big noise, hands, whatever you got, because here's the reality. I've been on the phone this week with a bunch of our family who are with us right now, and they miss you terribly. Because they, for various reasons, personal health, the health of others, they can't be here with us. And they, you realize it's almost been a year? So, so can you guys in just one moment, not yet, but just in one moment, can you make an, an embarrassingly loud sort of welcome to everyone else at home? Can you do that for me? Can we do that in just a moment? Okay. Because I do not want anyone in our church, anyone in our church, to feel like they are not a part of the gathering just because they cannot physically be here today. Okay, so on the count of three, just help me out, okay? One, two, three, we love you, we miss you, we'll see you soon. All right, thank you. Now, in that noise, we got over here the wave starting, which that'll be amazing. No, no, next week, Dale, that's you, man, you'll just start. Is that allowed in church? Okay, anyway, today we are starting... Oh man, some of you are going, we've already finished at this point. Today we're going to start a brand new teaching series for the new year called Take the Land. And we're going to look at this Old Testament book of Joshua. I figured, hey, with a great name like that, well, we just got to do a series on it. So we're going to do that for this coming 2021. But the, the main reason more than anything else is this book is the story of what God can do through a willing people. It is the story of a nation that goes from slavery into fullness, and it's through the power of God. Let me be very clear before any of us want to get up and sort of beat our chests and say, look how great we are. What we're going to look at for the next few weeks as we enter this new year, we are going to see how good God is and what God can do through a group of willing people. Because here's something I know about you. I don't know, I may not even know every one of you. But here's one thing I do know about everyone in this room. Everyone in here wants this year to be a better year than last year. I mean, mean, is is that true? I mean, how many of you are saying this time next year, I hope I'm not rolling my eyes going, oh, thank goodness, 2021 is over. How many of us pray to God that the pain of 2020 can be transformed into something beautiful in 2021. So if that is you on any level, then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Lean in for the next few weeks in particular because I believe God has a word for us from this very ancient book. So if you have your Bibles, quickly turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at a few verses there and then jump over to, to a couple verses in Joshua chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me give you context. Joshua is just now stepping into leadership of the uh, Israelite nation. 
Before him, the leader had been a man named Moses. Moses was born of a Hebrew, raised by Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's palace. He was exiled in the wilderness for 40 years, tending sheep. God shows up to Moses, speaks to him through a burning bush, sends Moses back to Egypt where over a million, hear me now, a million people have been in indentured slavery for generations. And he sends Moses back, and through Moses, God liberates Israel. They are freed from bondage. They leave. They go through the Red Sea. God parts the waters. By the way, we're going to talk about the symbolism in a little bit later in this series. There's so much here that we won't even be able to touch on, but I'll touch on some of it in future weeks. But they go through the Red Sea, and then, and then, God... Through Moses commissions 12 spies, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, to go scope out the new land to see what God is promising to give them. This is Numbers chapter 13 where that happens. 12 go in, only two come out and say we can do it. One of them, Caleb, and the other one, Joshua. But because the people listened to the ten who were afraid, God says because of your, he says, disobedience. Interesting. Disbelieving God's good promises leads to disobedient actions. He says, because of your disobedience, you will not see the promised land. And so 40 years, a generation dies off. Now we're at the end of those 40 years. Moses has just died. Joshua is now responsible for leading the nation of Israel. And this is a monumental task because he is leading a group of people who, although they have had some victories in war... They are not a warrior people, but they're going into a land full of warriors. Church, I don't know what 2021 holds, but I guarantee some of us in this room are going to face challenges we've never imagined. But I want to tell you what God says in this passage applies to today, that there's still a good God who's on the throne, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and when he gives you something to do, he will give you the ability to do it. So, you ready to read? Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, goes like this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. By the way, just we got to take note here. Notice this word, Lord. Notice it's all in uppercase. Anytime you see in the Old Testament the word Lord, uppercase, that is a clue, a hint to us English readers that the Hebrew word being used there is the name of God, Yahweh. That will come into effect later in our conversation this morning. So God, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, how many? Over one million people. You all get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to Israel, to all of the Israelites. Next slide. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Does anyone need to know that God is with them this morning? Hey, do you need to know that God is already standing in July of this year waiting for you? God is already preparing things in October of this year for you. It's a good thing to remember. And he says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. My title for this morning's message as we start off this series is simply Know Your Land. It is Know 
your land. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you will give us eyes to see the land that you've given each one of us. Not so that we can look at how great we are, but that we can celebrate how good you are. May there be much to celebrate this time next year based on what you begin to do in the hearts of your people today. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. So one of the things that I find very fascinating is this moment when you're with family and you have maybe gift-giving time. After all, we just came off of the season of Christmas where gifts were given, gifts were received, presents made. In fact, our family had to go back to Nashville on Friday night because some of our family members were sick over Christmas, couldn't get together, so we actually held off on all of the uh, presents being given between the adult siblings and grandparents. Kids, we did a few weeks ago. So we go back up there, and, and we're sitting around having a good time, playing with everyone, and we then start to hand out the gifts. And, and have you had that moment when you give a gift, and the person that you have given the gift to, they open the box, and they look inside, and their eyes just go, biggest saucers. Have you had that moment? And in that moment, you're like, yes, I am a rock star. That is correct. On the other hand, have you ever had a moment where you gave a gift and the person's eyes were like, and they don't go bigger. They go, oh. This is the moment where they pull out like underwear or, you know, you remember that moment when your grandmother knit you that really nice sweater and you're like, oh, thank you, grandma. I will wear it all the time. You, you know that moment where what you thought was going to be so good turned out to be not so great. But, but in the moments where it's better than you can imagine. And you just, I remember I saw this video. I almost played it for you this morning. 1987, there's this little boy, video footage of his mom She's, she's filming on Christmas morning. This little boy opens up this package and before his eyes was the gift that every kid wanted. It was the Nintendo Entertainment System. And in that moment, by the way, how many of you got a Nintendo as a kid sometime? Any of you? I got like four of you. Okay, fantastic. But the rest of us, I tell you, this kid, he opens it up and as soon as he do- did, he starts to sob. He runs over to his dad and goes, Daddy, thank you so much. And the dad's like, hey, go play with it. That's the picture I want you to have right now that there's a million plus people who have been longing for home and they have not had home. They've been slaves because even though they were liberated from slavery, they were in the desert for years. And by the way, part of coming out of slavery is learning to be free. Because how many of us know it is one thing to no longer be a slave. It's another thing to live as a free person. How many of us still have those habits and those hang-ups from the years that we wandered and the years that we were apart from God and we still feel the shackles although we have been forgiven by God through Jesus Christ? And so they have come out of Egypt, they're in the desert, they are experiencing sort of this longing for home, they're in between, and now they stand, their toes dangling on the Jordan River, the point at which they enter the promised land, and now they see it, and there's this desire, because there's home, there's territory, there is land, and there's this key phrase in the text, I don't know if you noticed it, but twice, God speaking to Joshua, he says, I will give this land to you. Hear me now. Every good gift you have is a gift from God. 
Everything that you and I enjoy at this very moment is because God gave it to you and me. That breath that you just took, gift from God. That, that heartbeat you just had, gift from God. That indigestion because you ate a little bit too much this morning, it's a reminder of the gift of God. <laughs> God is the one who's given you every good gift. So hear me, before we take one step into 2021, and before we start to see God do work, let us not pretend or forget that it is God who gives us the good gifts that we will have over the next year. So our posture is one of thankful, gracious receiving from God as we go into this year. And so God says, it is time though, Joshua, get the people ready because I want to give you land. And he begins to remind Joshua of the land he's going to give. And he says, I'm going to give you land that's the desert, the wilderness space. I'm going to give you land that goes up to Lebanon. I'm going to give you land that goes to the Euphrates River and the Hittite nations. I'm going to give you a massive piece of land. And you can almost see them salivating going, yeah, this is going to be great. And so they begin. And over the course of the story that we're going to read, we're going to see them progressively expanding their land, taking hold of what God has promised. In fact, here's a picture of the land that they will eventually inhabit at the end of Joshua. Now, I did not include but should have on the east side of the Jordan River will be two sections of land held by two of the tribes that stayed on that side. But what I want you to see is this is what they will begin to build out over the course of the next number of years and the chapters that we will read. And I want to say this to you as well. God's promise to them is a promise to you in this sense. You have this morning land that God wants you to take this year. Remember what we said? You want 2021 to be a better year than 2020? There's places you believe you want to go. There's areas that you want to expand. Hear me now. Your dreams and God's may be different on the particulars, but he does want you to take land this year. You have land that God has given to you and you alone, not to your spouse, not to your kids, not to your neighbors, not to the person sitting in front or behind you. Land that is for you to take this year. Every one of us, in fact, has land. And your land and my land, they all fit under three headings. If you want to write this down, let me just tell you, you have land in three spaces. Are you ready? Number one, it is your, where you live. Number two, it's where you work. And number three, it's where you play. Those three spheres represent the land that God has given to you. Where you live, that's going to be your, uh-oh, there we go. Let's go one more now. Your land where you live is going to be your family and your neighbors or neighborhood. That is where you live. That is where you do life, where you sleep, where you get up. Your job or where you work, that could be your job. If you go to an office or maybe your office is in your, uh, you know, your living room or a spare bedroom, but you've got a job, that is your work or it could be school. Students, you have a sphere. You are taking land at your school. And I want to speak to our young people. I don't care how young you are. God is giving you a place to take this year. Parents, speak vision into your children this year. Remind them when they go to school, they're not simply going there to get an education. They're going to take land on behalf of God Almighty. And he has already stepped into their school to prepare a place for them to bring the goodness of God into their city through their school. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Let's try this again. Do you understand what I'm talking about, family? Okay. Hear me now. This is not just a message for the adults. This is for all of us. So you've got where you live, where you work, and where you play, hey, that's going to be your social and your hobbies. So social may just be the fact that you've got to go get groceries, right? You've got to do some banking. 
that's going to be part of it, but it's also hobbies. So it's going to be sports. It's going to be watching sports. It's going to be going and doing activities, going to movies or plays whenever those things actually reopen. If you're like me, maybe you're not very athletic, so your sport is not to go and play football, but my sport, it's, it's like competitive eating. You know, just go in, find a great restaurant, do some damage. That's mine. But these are the three areas that put together represent your land. And by the way, your land is going to look different from everyone else's because you have a job at your work or in your home or in your school different from anyone else. You have a different family than anyone else. You have a different connection group and social outings, meaning God has created a specific land that only you and you alone can take. Isn't that interesting? Now, I know. Here's what happens as soon as we say that. If you're like me, all of the oh no's begin to flood in. You, You know what I mean when I say oh no's? When you hear that you've got a job or a task and you go, I don't know how to do that, the first thought is, oh no. It's like that moment when you're leaving the house for a trip and you wonder, did I leave the oven on? Oh, no. Um, or, or when you ask that woman, oh, how pregnant are you? And you realize, oh, no, she's not. <laughs> Have you ever had an oh, no moment? Oh, no moments often come when you've made a mistake or you see how big the job before you is. And I know as soon as I say you've got land that God wants you to take, your thought is, oh, no. But, but let, me, let me just give you some peace here. Two things I want to tell you. First is this. God has uniquely wired you to take the land he's given you. God has uniquely wired you to take the land he's uniquely given you. Here's what I mean by this. Let's just do a little show of hand. Interactive time moment here. Let's talk about where we all live. If you live in the city, would you raise your hand? Go ahead. If you live in Chattanooga City online, you can put in the chat. City, go ahead. Put your hand real high, real high. I want to see all the hands. Okay, look around, look around. Okay, these are our city dwellers. Very good. Okay, if you live in a suburb, let's see some hands. Are you in a suburb? Okay, hands high. Let's look around. Very good. White picket fence, all that. Good. All right, let's... You don't live in the city. You don't live in a suburb. You don't really like people, so you live way out in the country. Can I get my, oh, I hate folk people? Anyone? Some of you going, you're being mean. No, I'm just joking. Okay, so you've got different places that you can live. Now, here's the reality. Chances are, based on where you go to school or where you work, you did not have to live in the city. You did not have to live in the suburbs. You did not have to live in the country. But you chose to live the city, suburbs, country. What am I getting at here? You are wired a particular way. Some of you like to be really close, all the action, all the things going on, so you want to be in the heart of the city. We went back through Nashville, and I I love Nashville, but I'm telling you, it has blown up so much. It's so congested. Lindsay and I, throughout the drive, were going, man, I don't remember it being quite this congested. I like the lack of congestion. But some people love it, right? Right? And then there are others of you, it's like, well, I just want to be with other people, but I want my space. I want to be in a suburb. And then there are others like, I like people, but I want to choose when I'm around them. So I'm going to have a space a little bit bigger, maybe out in the country. What I'm trying to show you is this. You chose where you would live based on the way God wired you. Where you live, God is not putting you someplace that is different than the way God has already wired you. Do you see what I'm saying here? He's put you where you'll flourish. He wired you a certain way. Let's talk about your job for a moment here. Some of you, you are an extrovert like nobody's business. You 
have to be around people. And so, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're in sales or maybe you are a realtor, which is a form of sales, or maybe you are in customer service, maybe you're the one who answers the calls, or maybe you are a waitress or a waiter, maybe you have those kind of interactions. Now, could you have chosen a different job? Chances are, yeah, probably so, right? But you chose a job that fit who you are. Then I have other friends who are wildly, um, let's just say, they do their best work alone. And that's great. Some of you, God has wired you to flourish by yourself in a more personalized industry. I have a friend, he's a finance guy. I joked a little bit during the first hour that he's basically like a human brain with two legs. He is brilliant. In fact, he told me, this has been a few years ago, he said for fun one day, he in his mind calculated pi decimal point, I think he said to the 18th or 20th point. I mean, when he said pie, I was thinking cherry, apple, pumpkin. And he's like, no, Diggs, it's numbers. I'm like, well, you lost me there. But for him, it's perfect. And so he loves numbers. It just so happens he works in finance dealing with numbers. It's almost as though God wired him and then placed him where he would flourish. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you here? That God has put you where you are to take the land around you. You are not misshapen for the job. The job is perfectly shaped to you, which means I will have a far harder time doing your job for you because I was not made to do your job. The land that God has wired you to take is for you to take. But here's the second thing. Notice he's talking to Joshua, but he says, get all the people ready. They're not going to go by themselves. Friends, you're not by yourself. At least you don't have to pee. If you're not in a community group, if you're not in a small group here, if you're not with others who can encourage you, it's going to be a lot, lot harder. But when you walk with others, it will be a far easier job to take the land that God has given you. And so this is what God is saying. You go, you take it, and you do it. But very interesting point here. Before we move on to the how, I want you to notice a very important problem. God tells Joshua that the land will include certain regions. He describes it. He says it'll be wilderness, it'll be up to the Euphrates, it'll include Lebanon, even all the way through the Hittite region. You say, what does that mean? Well, let's talk for a moment. Lebanon, that's modern-day Lebanon. The Euphrates, that includes parts of Iraq. And if you look over, he also is going to be talking about land that includes modern-day Syria. But here's the problem. At Israel's Zenith, at its largest, under David and his son Solomon. Let me just give you numbers first here. God's land, the land he describes, I did some numbers and I checked on some resources and to my best, uh, to the best evidence, that's roughly 300,000 square miles that God promised. But at its largest, Israel only ever held 30,000 square miles. What, 300,000? 30,000. One-tenth. You say, well, what happened? Did God fail? No, he said, I will give you the land wherever your foot shall go. So what happened? They stopped going. And they missed 90% of God's blessing. 
Friends, I don't want to miss 90% of God's blessing this year. Does it mean there are going to be challenges? Oh, yeah. Does it mean there are going to be obstacles? You bet. But I want with all my heart to see the glory of God. I want to experience his goodness. I want to see new lives taken for the cross. I want to see old lives renewed for the cross. And I want to be on the front line to see my king, Jesus, taking the field. But it will only happen if you and I continue to take steps in the land that God has given us. Imagine, what would God do and what does God want to do in the life of your family right now, friends? What does he want to do in the life of your neighbors? I think about my neighbors. I have some of the best neighbors in the world. I got my buddy Charlie and Dan and Paul and Jeanette and Steve and Angela. Just great, great people. And we're a weird little neighborhood, but I love them. And I've been thinking this week, what would it look like if every one of us in my little neighborhood became like Jesus Christ? What would it look like in this little part? And then as that spreads out into our jobs and other places, I don't want to miss the blessing of God. And I know you don't either. Because it'll be amazing when we get to share the stories next year. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Real quick, with the last couple minutes, here's how we do this. In chapter 2 and verse 1, Joshua says, okay, so here is the plan. Here's how we're going to figure out where our land is and how to take it. He sends a couple of spies. It says this, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, notice this phrase, look over the land. Quick question, when was the last time you evaluated the land God has given you? Who's in the land? What's going on in the land? What's happening in your home right now, family? Have you processed? Have you asked your children questions lately? What's going on in their lives? Have you spoken to your spouse? If you're with a roommate, have you asked your roommate, hey, what's happening in your life? Look through the land. What about in your job? What about where you work or where you play? And then he says this, especially, say this word with me, Jericho. Jericho was a stronghold. It was the place where this massive city was. It was, at the time, one of the oldest cities in the world because it was one of the strongest cities in the world. And Joshua is saying, for us to take the land, we have to know what the strongholds in the land are. Friends, what are the strongholds in your land right now? Here's what I know. Every land, every land, put this up, every land has strongholds. Every place. There are Jerichos that will have to be dealt with. And in your life, I'm just asking you, what are the Jerichos in your land? What are the things that you have to deal with? It could be a sin that you have never dealt with. It could be some hurt that still is plaguing you. Maybe you're bringing in, like we talked last week, maybe you're bringing in some hurt from 2020. Maybe it's a loss of a friend or a spouse. But what is it that you need to deal with for you to be able to take your next step? He says, I need you to spy out the land. Now, the interesting thing is, so they do it. And one of the most awkward verses in all of the Bible appears next. It says this. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there once. Okay? They stayed in Rahab's house. Now, this is one of those verses that I just want to go, okay, hold on, don't move on. I want some context here. Why did you think this was a good idea, fellas? Wasn't there anyone else who would open their home to you? And here's what I find so interesting. It's easy for me to start asking questions and ignore the reality that God wants every person to know him, not just the people who I think are cleaned up enough to know him. 
Who is the Rahab in your life? And by the way, before we start to get too holy on this one, let's all look in the mirror for a moment. Because while that was not my profession, before I knew Christ, I was just as lost, just as gone as anyone else who has ever breathed in life. It is only by God's grace that Joshua was saved. So let's be very careful not to condemn others. Amen? So, they find their way here. And let me tell you, this was one of the most strategic decisions they ever made. You say, how is that possible? Here's the thing, here's the thing. Of all the people in the city, of all the people in the city, she knew the city and the people of the city probably better than almost anyone else. I'm not saying the way she knew it was good, but she knew. And here's the evidence. As soon as they get there, there's a report that spies from Israel have come into the promised land. And so the king of Jericho sends word to Rahab saying, you bring those spies out. Here's the thing I find interesting. The king knows her name. Which means she knows his name. She knew more about the city than other people. She protects and hides the spies, and then she sends them on their way. How does she do it? Well, she lets them out of her house, which was built into the wall of the city, as many homes were in that time, which means not only does she know the people, she has access to the city in a way that many other people didn't. And not only that, she instructs the spies when they get out. She says, go to the hill, stay there three days. The guard searching for you will come back. Before that time is up, then you may leave and get back safely. How does she know all this? She knows people that other people don't. She knows about things that other people wouldn't. She knew about the countryside. She knew about the city. She knew about the people. Hear me now. If you want to take land, we have to learn about the land from those who know it best. That may mean that we have to leave our Christian holy huddles and interact with the people that God so desperately wants us to save and to reach. There are people in your work who you do not want to be around because they are prickly people, they are different people, but those are the people that God is going to open doors to you, through you, and through them to bring the good news of his kingdom into a dark place. God, through this encounter, gave the Israelites access. It was the place that began the conquest of the entire region. Thank God for Rahab. And thank God that these spies went there. Now, here's the last thing I'll tell you. You say, Josh, aren't you stretching this too far? No, I'm not. Because Jesus even tells us to do this. In Luke chapter 10, he says, you go into a new city, fellas, when he's sending out the different disciples. He says, you go in and you find a person of peace. Someone who will open their door to you. They don't believe the message yet because they've not heard it because you haven't been there yet. Friends, why do we expect people who've never heard the message to behave like people who do? I might also ask, why is it that those of us who have heard the message often don't act like we have heard the message? We've been called to go in. So if you want to take land, you go to people who know the land best. The second thing, the last thing that I'm going to say on all this, and then we're going to call it a morning, call it a morning, because I want you to step into this year ready for what God is doing is simply this. There is a ton at stake if you choose not to. See, I I, I want to tell you, next year we're going to have a celebration. We're going to look back over this year and we're going to say, yay, God. And we're going to tell stories of what 
you will experience over the next year. We're going to write them down. We're going to do videos. We're going to do testimonies. It's going to be a wonderful experience. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. What's at stake is not simply that you miss out on that. Although that would be tragic. What is at stake is that there are others who will miss out on it if you don't. If you don't take land, there are others who will miss it. This, this woman, Rahab, so interesting. We don't have time to read the rest of her story this morning. But what she says to the spies, she says, listen, I've heard stories about this God. But she doesn't say God. She says, I have heard stories about your L-O-R-D, uppercase. She's saying, I've heard stories about Yahweh. I don't want to die. Will you save me? Friends, that's the cry of everyone who steps from death to life, isn't it? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me for what I've done. I, I, I just lay everything I have at the feet of Jesus because I can't fix what's wrong in my life. I don't want what has grabbed hold of my soul to drag me down. I need a Savior. Please don't let me die. And because of what they did, because of what God was going to give to Israel, see, it wasn't just for Israel that God gave them land. It was for the Rahabs of the world as well. And because of this, we hear her name not once but twice in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews, when we're told of people who were men and women of faith, we're told that by faith, Rahab hid the spies. That what she did in this moment, before she had yet said yes to God, what she did was a first step. Hear me now. You're going to interact with someone this next year, and they're going to take steps before they get baptized. But God is going to go, that's awesome. Did you see? They took a step. That is awesome. And we're going to celebrate every step along the way. And then the other time that her name is mentioned is in Matthew chapter 1 when the writer tells the story of the coming of Jesus. It's the Bagats chapter. You know the Bagats chapter? So-and-so begat, 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 begat. And you go, what's a begat? We don't know. They just did it. And that had a kid and that had a kid. And then there's this one name, this one name. Rahab. What's at stake, friends? This woman who became part of the line of Jesus Christ. See, I I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life over the next year, but what thrills me even more is the new people who are going to be a part of the kingdom of God, who will be a part of that begat, 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 begat until Jesus Christ returns to get us all home. That's what's at stake this year. God's empowered you to do what he's called you to do. All we now need to do is take our next step and do it.